Hi, my name is Willem van den Jeffer and I'm a filmmaker, photographer, writer and explorer uh, currently in Cape Town, South Africa. For me, that was actually like a, a big thinking point, especially that first part of the lockdown where I kind of, it was a bit of a retreat for me um, where a friend and, and of mine, we just secluded ourselves completely on a farm. So we literally didn't, we didn't see anyone. We lived a very basic life, like get up at sunrise, do some exercise, meditation, swim in the ocean. <laughs> and then do some reading and writing and yeah basically like a highlight will be well it was especially for him it was like at four we start preparing the fire for the night's meal we also didn't have a, a stove or anything like all our food came from the fire <laughs> was that was that the first, so we, the first 21 21 days of lockdown that was the first um 47 days yeah oh. so until we yeah had because it was outside of Cape Town as well so we couldn't just leave once we were there we were kind of stuck and then it was you know quite serious if we have to leave and get on the into um, how we're going to do this without any permits and stuff yeah but then we actually thought a lot about that because we're in a similar industry um, he's lucky because he's got a lot of online marketing jobs as well that he does yeah. that that survived some of them but um, we were starting to think uh, if this goes on like what are new skills or new things to, to venture into or that we can try because somewhere you have to ask yourself, okay, it's time to get creative in the sense of um, you can't sit around wait forever yeah. and this might go on longer than you think. And even if it does come back, it won't be the same, which means that a lot of your jobs with most of your income will be less. So you have to start thinking of new skills. And even if you think that you don't have new skills, we realize it's a great time to, to start creating new skills for yourself, which is learning new skills. So yeah. we started looking into um, uh, honey farming because a family member, like he kind of started a little bit with, with that, like looking into it and a family member of, of him started doing it, but he he didn't do the farming himself. And he said, well, there's an opportunity. Let, let's look into this of just yeah. learning how to farm with bees and like something like honey. That's like cool. I think agriculturally will be there forever, will survive and it's sustainable. Like, like that's the other thing. It forced us to think like, like what is really sustainable in today's day and age? Like what will survive and what is going to take the world forward as well? Like what is contributing to a, to a better sustainable future for everyone in the world yeah. instead of that might be a, like a quick fix or a quick money-making thing now, but in the long run, it's not going to survive and it's not contributing really to, to, a, to a better society. Like it's actually contributing to a lot of bad, like the shit we're dealing with now at the moment that boils yeah. up. So yeah. And it's, I mean, it's not easy. Like it's not easy to do it. And it's not an overnight thing. Like the next morning you're a farmer <laughs> or whatever. So, so, um, so, so I'm pretty interested in that. So tell me, so did you start? So it's, it's actually quite sad because we were very passionate about it. And then it was the whole, our biggest challenge was getting to, 
to, to start it or getting the hives that was on another farm um, to the, the kind of the, the property that we were staying at because we realized like there's a big enough space it would be perfect to do this but then we also need like a, a guy to train us and so first of all like I there was no way we just gonna be get stung to death <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i was quite nervous about that as well but yeah then we couldn't get the 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 guy and the hives and everything there because of the, the regulations and traveling stuff and then finally when it was allowed we had the right permits um i wasn't sure if it was him or one of his workers that was supposed to come on that weekend so we were supposed to leave the city go back there and then the friday or the thursday you know to fight us the, uh, they got sick and they, they it's with COVID. like they are oh. they tasted positive oh. so the whole thing yeah uh, got kind of got put on hold cool. um yeah so we still haven't done the training or got the hives at the farm but it the the, the, the company's kind of running um but it's not um, it wouldn't have been my company or whatever. I, w- I, I just wanted to get involved and learn how to farm. And obviously we would have been kind of cheap labor then yeah. and we could stay on the, the property for free. And, it's, and that's kind of what was the most appealing for us was that lifestyle that we lived, that very simple lifestyle in this very basic um, kind of cabin, uh, which we would have worked on a bit then, um, that that was actually so fulfilling in itself. And we realized like, we would rather want to live this lifestyle and make less of, of an income, but you spend less than, try, than going back to the city, which we anyway ended up doing because we had no choice, but then just like hustling from the city again. Yeah. It's just a super stressful and I think it can get a very unhealthy lifestyle very quickly. Yeah. Um, over here. And we would rather, especially because we both kind of live so nomadic now, and kind of work remotely. So we said like, if we are here for a few months of the year until the borders open and we can travel again, we can do it from anywhere. Why not do it with that kind of lifestyle and at that pace? So where does, I mean, where does this, I mean, where does this like nomadic sort of travel spirit come from? Like, have you always been like that? Or if you just want to, you know, experience as much as you can or what, or like, what is your, what is your thing? Yeah, I think it's definitely, yeah, it's something that's kind of been inside of me. And, and I think like it's inside of a lot of people, but a lot of people don't explore it or they don't delve into it. And maybe it's a self-conscious thing. Maybe it's a, it's a comfort zone thing. And maybe it's just a lack of support. I think, especially in our kind of cultural tradition, um, where we were brought up, um, like now it's starting to change, but it was very much a recipe of you go to school, then you go and study, you get a proper job, like studying, it's only a certain amount of things and then jobs only a certain things and you start a family and that's it. Like the biggest thing will be if you move out of your hometown. Mm-hmm. And I just never, felt, yeah, I never felt comfortable. <laughs> and I always, I always latched onto to, to stories of people who, um, who did the opposite, who broke those rules, who rebelled against it and kind of explored that intuition inside of them to explore the world and to just to tell yourself like you've, you've been put on this planet and you're not really sure why, but you know that it's, it's, you're starting to, to realize it's a lot bigger than you think. And there's a lot more people and stories and places out there than yeah. just this. And it is possible to, 
explore them and to learn from them and to get to know them. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be easy always. And a lot of people are going to be against um, your lifestyle of doing it. But why not? Like, it's really that thing of like, you only have this one life on this one planet. Like, why, why not explore it as much as you can? Of course. But I think I, I am lucky in the fact that I think something in it was always in, in, in my dad as well. So he was always, whenever I had crazy ideas or wanted to live that kind of lifestyle, he was always for it. So he always motivated me. And um, I think he also read a lot of books that he handed over to me about explorers and adventurers and people who did um, crazy big out there things. But because of, because there's something bigger out there than just this. Right. Um, and I think it was that since I did that first trip, like it was, it was in high school that I, that I knew I'm not going to study and get stuck in my hometown. Like I am going to go out and do something crazy to get out of my comfort zone and to experience the world in its fullest. Yeah. And then after I studied and kind of saved, started saving up from, from high school and went hiking um, and hitchhiking for six months in America with only a backpack and really got kind of threw myself into the deep end and got put in a lot of um, difficult situations, I realized, but like, this is really living. And I think it was only after that, one, once I came back and had to deal with normal life and society again for certain periods, um, I realized that no matter how bad the circumstances were when, when I put myself into it while traveling uh, or risking a lot of things, like at the end of the day, it was still a more, in a way, more carefree or less stressful way of living than everyday society. Right. Like there's something about when you, when you strip a lot of things off and your biggest worries and fears are, are stripped down to the core, to the most basic of worries as in food, water, shelter, and I guess safety. And when it comes down to like safety of um, you and nature and not a threat, like a human threat, like we have to deal with a lot in society. It's also, there's a lot more that's out of your hands and you get, uh, get comfortable with that easily to know that you can do what you can do to get, to take calculated risks, yeah. but a lot of it is not in your hands and you're out in nature and you're willing to risk a lot of things uh, for this experience. But at least when you go, you know you're going. You're going happy. You're going. Uh, you're going out of this world a lot freer. And at least knowing that you um, pursued something, um, something out there that's that's bigger than just a job and uh, family and <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Um, your everyday stuff. So yeah, I think like and I and I got a little bit addicted to towards that uh, I got addicted to that feeling of of being so completely free uh, with so much less of the type of stress and anxiety that you have to deal with of course with everyday life and society and a normal job um, but sure it came with a lot of sacrifices as well and yeah. sure sometimes things do go wrong but so overall before, like, I mean, the highs are before, higher before you carry on at what so like 
How did you start? Like, did you just say, I'm done. I'm just going to sell all my stuff. Obviously it's what you wanted to do. And then, yeah. and then just booked the tickets and then we're like, hey, I'm going to rough it. I'm going to get a backpack and just walk. So it's kind of like into the wild, into the wild relived, you know, and, uh, and whatever happens, happens and doors open, you know, so you didn't go to a job. You save as much cash as you wanted. And we're like, I've got my camera. I've got my bag. I've got enough clothes for a week or whatever. So, how, you know, how did you start? Yeah, it, it's kind of, it is a little as naive as that sounds, kind of was. <laughs> but I think it was also like it came from, it wasn't just random. It, it came from, like I said, after starting to read in school about these explorers and, and ventures doing these great things, the idea was planted. And at first I remember it was actually, I was thinking of just doing it um, like around South Africa, like right. like circumnavigating the whole country. Yeah. Um, then I later found out, well, firstly, I want to go bigger. I want to remove myself completely out of my comfort zone and my known world to something completely different, a different world. But then I also realized, like, I think it's actually more dangerous, like doing it in South Africa than leaving to a complete different continent where there are bears <laughs> and mountain lions. You mean, um, da- you mean dangerous from a, from a nature point of view? Or, or, or no, I know dangerous from, from, a, from a human point of view. Like I, I think I realized the, the sad reality is um, I can't do that or live exactly like I want to live in our own country. Like you can't just hike anywhere and pitch a tent anywhere and hitchhike anywhere sure i'm not saying everyone is evil and and it's not possible but your your chances are more likely that something's gonna end up bad for you this time no, of course and yeah and i think i mean yeah stories like into the wild that also um it inspired me a lot i, I think there was something romantic about that idea of the american wilderness and yosemite and the, the big cliffs and the forests and uh, so i kind of wanted to, to pursue that and yeah, saved up, didn't get a job. I ended up studying at first. It was like directly out of school. And then my dad convinced me to spend while you know what your passion is and you have the opportunity to study it, study it, get your degree. But then also through that, you can spend more time on planning and, and saving up more. Yeah. And I thought I did enough planning. I mean, I, I, it wasn't just <laughs> buying a ticket. I did do some planning, but I later realized not enough. But it's, it's also difficult because there's a, there's a fine balance between um, like doing a lot of planning and spending like years getting your plan as flawless as possible. But then also like, oh, there's always going to be stuff that end, end up not, not like you initially planned. So yeah. just somewhere you have to just go in and, and risk it. Sounds like life. It, <laughs> exactly yeah and I, I actually um i watched this documentary last night and it's i just found it on youtube it's free the whole thing is on youtube it's called chasing bubbles and bubbles is the the name of the of a little sailboat that this guy bought but he was very much like that where a lot of people said the one one of his friends said he's the smartest idiot that i know <laughs> because he was, he was a really i mean he's not a dumb guy he was a smart guy um even like he's a very random guy as well. He was even on um, Wants to Be a Millionaire. Right. But he did that thing where he, he decided, I want to sail around the world. And he knew nothing about sailing. But he, he bought a sailboat. He read 
how to sail for dummies, like literally that handbook and kind of just figured it out along the way. And he made a lot of connections and, and his thing was, he's not going to do it to do it in the fastest time or whatever. So he stopped at every possible port or Island or location and connected with people and, and got those people on board as well saying, I'm going, this is my next destination. Want to jump on and come along. Yeah. Do you know something about sailing? Because then I can learn some, some stuff some skills uh, from from you again. So, you so must, yeah, I think that, you must have met some some fascinating people around the world. You know, some that can't communicate with you because of language barriers and yeah, and all that kind of thing. Who who would you say is like the? I know maybe it's hard to say, but who is the most interesting person that you've met? Yeah, that is hard because I def- definitely met <laughs> kind of a lot of them uh, all over. But if I think about that trip um, in 2016, the hiking through America, there were, I mean, there were a lot of characters because once you put yourself in that world, like you put yourself in a world where there are similar characters only living in this world. So there were two young guys. I think the one guy was actually even younger than, than me. And they were like doing the same thing. One of them were actually just doing part of that trail to, to train for the continental divide, which is like the longest, um, well, at least in North America trail, but it's also the most um, dangerous and like off the grid and remote kind of trail. So you, you deal with a lot less people, you go through the Rockies, you deal with grizzly bear territory. And he said, no, and, and that's also like uh, two and a half thousand miles, I think. And he was training for that. And he didn't even sleep in a tent. Like he only had a, a, a turf that he kind of set up over a branch or something. And then a sleeping bag, like a really thick sleeping bag. And the first night we met, it actually snowed. And I was freezing inside my tent and my sleeping bag. And we woke up and it was like snow everywhere. Just this little patch of him. Like completely at peace, sleeping on the ground <laughs> under the turf, like not bothered by anything. And he had a little guitar as well. Like it was almost like he sacrificed a lot more essential things so just so that he can have his little guitar with him to make music. Yeah. But he ended up, um, we stayed in contact over Facebook and he ended up doing the, I remember I came back to South Africa in, in July, in August I moved to Cape Town and end of August I saw the post that he made it. He, he finished that whole uh, two and a half thousand miles on the mm-hmm. continental divide. Yeah. That's but cool. I think another person that stands out just at the top of my mind now is, and it's funny cause he's actually now he's a friend and I kind of knew him because he was from Cape Town, South African guy and his name is Albert Latif. And I knew like he was also living kind of alternative lifestyle and very nomadically always traveling. And he did some adventures, but then I ended up, um, last year, beginning of April last year, I told him, listen, I'm going to kind of just travel around Southeast Asia. And I knew by then he was, he was kind of, he made um, uh, South Korea his base. So he would work a few months there, take all his money, just go traveling, just go backpacking. Yeah. And I told him, I'm going to be around. Um, can I come visit you? And he was completely open. He said, yes, please come. You can crash in my place. I'll show you around in between my work. And we kind of m- met, we, we've, we only met at a, 
at an exhibition, a photo exhibition of his, of one of his friends, I think, once in town. Like it was a handshake, few words, that's it. So I rock up at his place and we just kind of became friends. Um, and he start, started telling me about his stories and his way of living. And I'll never forget it, but it started on the train. It was like a two hour train from the airport where he picked me up or the main station towards where he stayed kind of outside of town. And he started telling me, like, you have to, I just have to prepare you, but I, I live very basic. I don't have a lot of things. So, man, I've been traveling now for almost two years. I'm used to sleeping on the ground. It's fine. Don't worry about me. I'm sure this is going to be luxury still compared to what I'm used to. Yeah. And, and I, I, I think I said something about don't worry about food or whatever. I'll get us some, some bananas and coffee. It's like my staple diet and nuts when I travel from the store. And he said, Oh no, you can't get get coffee because I don't have a kettle uh, or a fridge <laughs> thing. And then I realized, okay, this guy's really living basic. And we got to his place and I actually had a bed, um, but it was basically nothing else. And he said, well, <laughs> like he knows, he knows how to hustle and he already did the maths and he realized like he gets um, like a meal from his, um, from the cafeteria, from where he works every day. And he realized like the rest of the food, he knows places where you can get a proper meal for cheaper than buying all the um, ingredients right. and like half of it will go rotten or whatever. And then the other interesting thing was he said, if you like that lifestyle, if you commit to that kind of lifestyle, you can't get attached to a place, to a property. And as soon as you're going to start decorating the place, putting up pictures, making it nice and homey, you're going to get attached to it. And yeah. he said, for me, this is just a big tent. This is a four-wall tent that I'm living in now until this day. And then I'm taking my backpack and I go out into the world exploring again. Really? Um, but yeah, it was, it was an amazing time. And I definitely, I learned a lot. And people like that fascinate me because those yeah. are the people that realize and see that there's, there's something more out there, more to this world than, yeah. 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 Just that recipe. Surely you've slept in some really uncomfortable, crazy places, right? Yeah. Uh, what was the what was the first sort of mind shift? Like you coming from a comfortable house or, or whatever it is, the first time that you were forced to actually sleep on the side of the road or under a bush or under a bridge or something like that. What was going through your mind? Were you like going, "This is cool," or "I want to go home"? Like the first time. I think, I don't think it was, I want to go home. And I think what helped was that first time I was so tired. I was so exhausted that I didn't care. Like for me, I just wanted to sleep. And I think that got me used to it kind of like, it was always that thing of, um, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm so tired. I just want to sleep. And like that, the, the tent or whatever that becomes your, your home or your safe space, your, your comfort place. Right. And it's like a little ritual later on, putting it up, getting in the sleeping bag. But they were definitely different terrains where even after months of doing that, yeah. like they would still be uncomfortable terrains, like rocky, hard terrain that I would get woken up in the middle of the night and not have good sleep because it's just so uncomfortable. And, it's, and then like it's possible and... I got used to it, but then I also realized like, Ooh, but then you get like nice mossy forest terrain or beach sand, which is like your, 
that's the the king size CD that you want to sleep on. <laughs> but, um, I, I definitely think it's it's a skill that that helps throughout life, um, especially when because the funny thing is, I had this I had a big fear like it's not it's still a bit there but I'm better at it but sleeping in public spaces. So when it's just me out somewhere in my tent, that's fine. But as soon as it comes to a point where it's like a public space or there's other people around, like on airports or stuff like that, um, I really struggle to do it because I have this fear like people are looking at me while I'm sleeping. I think it's because while you're sleeping, you're in your most vulnerable state. (laughs) And it's like this protective thing that comes out. Yeah. but that got better over the years as well. Like even on planes, I just just can't sleep. But at least now, like, <laughs> yeah, I've I've gotten to a place where I I knew that okay, you're really exhausted. Um, you have to get some. <laughs> and uh, and have you had any near like near death experiences? Yeah, I did, <laughs> um, and that's kind of why. I, wrote that book on that trip as well to kind of explain a a bit about that. But my first big one, there were a few along, along the way, but the first big one was after like, it was, I think it was the second day of starting this hiking trip. So this was after hitchhiking from border of Canada to border of Mexico. And they were, there was one like weird, uncomfortable situation where I could feel like, my life may be in danger now, but nothing serious ever happened. I managed to like kind of evade it the whole time. But then the second day of, of hiking, I kind of misjudged the kind of how difficult this is going to be. And the weather was against me as well. This was desert terrain. It was extremely warm. And um, I didn't realize like how much water I'm consuming because it's extra warm as well because I've got too much weight on my back and I ran out of water in the first day which I realized okay this is a problem so then the next morning I had to do I don't know it was something like five kilometers or something where the map show there's a stream where I can fill up water and and by, by then I was already dehydrated so I realized like I'm in trouble here because I'm already dehydrated tomorrow's going to be another almost 40 degrees day in the desert and to do five kilometers in that kind of circum those circumstances already dehydrated um like that's trouble yeah and there's no certainty of the water actually being there so yeah yeah, it was um like it just kind of my state got worse the next morning when I woke up I was already like starting to hallucinate. I realized I have no power. Um, something that I also didn't realize is as soon as you, you start dehydrating, you, you kind of, well, I stopped eating. Like you, you don't have an appetite anymore. So I didn't realize I wasn't eating as well. And I have literally no power. And now I still have to do five kilometers. And by the time I got to the, where the supposed stream was on the map, it was all dried up because of the, uh, the extreme weather conditions. And it was, <laughs> and it's, it's funny because you don't think straight. So I had this like survival handbook with me and uh, there's a few tricks and stuff, which I could have done to help prevent this situation, right. but I just wasn't thinking straight anymore. And I kind of, I stumbled on for another kilometer or two and I passed out. I completely, uh, I had no more 
energy and I passed out. I just kind of aimed for a shady, shady spot. And um, I realized like I'm losing consciousness. I'm like just like falling asleep um, in a very deep sleep. And then at some stage I realized, okay, this is really dangerous because if I fall asleep, I might never wake up again. And I have to just try stay awake as long as I can. Yeah. And I, and I try and did that. And then by complete miracle, um, there was a guy who was um, hiking from the opposite direction. And that time of the year, there were very few hikers, especially that section because it's a very it's it's desert so you only kind of do it if you want to get through it but he was doing it in order to i think he wanted to film birds like just as a hobby which is also random because it's a desert it's not a lot of birds around anyway right but he found me he realized yeah there's trouble yeah and he had like five liters of water with him for the day so he immediately gave the water to me and um, yeah, picked me up, took me to his car, took me to the ranger station. I was close by. And yeah, that was my first very, very real near-death experience. There it goes. Uh, and you've written, yeah. stuff. you've written a book or, um, of sorts and have you published it? Yeah, so it was um, kind of self-published at the end of 20, 2018. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think there's, there's literally one or two copies left. Where? On, where, are they? where can I get one? Or where can... On limitededish.com. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a kind of very cool, uh, owning like local, uh, supporting local artists and everything on there is limited edition. Um, but they also, they just opened up an actual physical store at uh, 44 and Stanley in Joburg. So... Cool. Never been there, but I've, I've heard it's a cool hip spot. <laughs> and I know there's a, there's I'm, a lot I'm, of cool yeah, I know where it is. Yeah, I've been there a few times, yeah. Yeah, so there's an actual physical store now, and you can buy it inside there as well. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. get in touch with me, and I'll, <laughs> I'll mail it off. Yeah. Cool. Um, what? So, so, I mean, you've obviously been to some really odd places, really cold places. Is that, is that ever planned? Or do you, along the way, meet somebody and they kind of, you, you know, they go like, hey, why don't you come with me or something like that? You know, is it, is, are your routes often planned? You go, like you said earlier, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go travel, you know, East Asia or whatever. And that's what you do. And you do, do a whole, a whole planned trip. But like going to, going to like very, very cold and very crazy places, is that ever planned? Or is it just, you, as I say, you meet somebody and you end up going there? Yeah, so a lot of these places, especially those places, um, was due to, um, I was really um, fortunate to uh, get a job. Like once, once the more I started doing these kind of ex- explorations and travels on my own, and I did a trip with a friend, that was kind of the first next step, finding a like-minded person to do it w- with me. Um, and then I kind of realized, because he was a filmmaker as well, and, and that was the first time we said, okay, we're going to do this, but we're also going to document this in a way. Um, and it was great to have someone like-minded, but also someone in my field of work, and we're documenting this on our own. Um, and then I realized, like, this guy actually, uh, he had done similar things like that, but we actually did it as a job. He got paid for it, or at least 
costs were covered due to sponsors um, and getting certain people, the right people involved. And then I realized, well, um, if I really love doing this and living this lifestyle, why, why don't I look uh, for a way of doing it as a job or at least just getting it funded and not every time have to do other shitty jobs for like a year or whatever just yeah. to save up enough to do that for a month or two or three again. Um, and then I, I went for it and I was fortunate enough to, to get a job then as an as a expedition filmmaker and photographer. So I worked for a company uh, that kind of went to all these really far out secluded places, um, places uh, very few people ever get a chance to go to. So their main clients were people like National Geographic or um, travel writers, uh, those kind of people. And I was perfect, yeah. So, um, and that kind of uh, gave me access to a lot of these places. But then what I did was my contracts uh, was normally between two and three months. And then what I would do is I would, I would look at the map and see, okay, we're going to explore this part or do this for the job. And this is where I'm finishing. And then I knew that, okay, um, it's going to be because it's contract based. So it's going to be a few months before uh, three, three to four months before the next contract again. Yeah. And then I would just go like, okay, I'm finishing that side of the world there. I'm just going to go on on my own and explore the rest of it for, for another two, three months or however long I yeah. get. And, and, and that was, so a lot of it was planned because of the job and the company. And there was, after that, there would be a broad plan of, okay, I want to do Southeast Asia. Um, and I want to go explore that part with a motorbike because that friend in Korea, Albert, he did it and, and he kind of, um, kind of told me like this is a great adventure like there's a there's this you have to do this and there's a there's a lot of stories and things to photograph so that was a broad idea but then along the way like i remember the first day so that was like four months before that happened the first day before i got on the ship for the job in myanmar i was walking in the street um just exploring on my own and I met these two girls, tourists as well, who were lost. And I kind of helped them out, gave them directions. And we just kind of hanged out for the rest of the day because we wanted to see similar spots. Right. And at, at the end of that day, I kind of explained to them what I'm doing. And they obviously um, told me what they were doing. And the one girl was working in Hong Kong at that stage. And then I told her, well, I'm going to, after this job, two months from now, I'm going to explore Southeast Asia. I've always actually wanted to see Hong Kong. It was kind of on my, like it was an idea as well. And she said, well, come visit me and I'll show you around. And like that just became part of the plan then. So it just slotted in. Okay, cool. I'm going to go visit my friend here, right. my other friend there, and then go to Hong Kong. So a lot of it is kind of, yeah. and, and I realized like you have to do that as well, or at least be open to it. I'm not saying just, jumping every second person's van who say hey come right. along um, yeah. but in the days there's something magical and special to opening up your world like that to someone else's world right. and 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 looking out for those opportunities and it, and it's happened after that as well where i would meet someone and they say 
you know, you get along. Like you first start hanging out, you get along well. And this person say, I live in this side of the world. Yeah, you should come visit me one day. And I always tell those people, you should be careful of saying that because I know a lot of people say it because they're trying to be polite. But I'm the kind of guy. That will pitch up. Now I'm going to knock on your door and I'm actually going to be there. (laughs) (laughs) So so where's next? Uh, ah, There was, I mean, there was a lot of kind of plans before uh, this whole COVID thing started but um so i would have i would have done a job with the expedition company a contract along the west coast of africa which i was really excited for because i started realizing a lot that um i think we we make the mistake of looking too far out to the far out corners of the world and there's so much still to see and explore um like so close to us, just in Africa. And for me, Namibia has always been one of those things. Like oh, yeah. Namibia has, it's, for me, it's the same as someone wanting to go to Iceland. I want to go to Namibia. Yeah. And somehow, like whenever there was a plan, it just never worked out. Right. So I would have, uh, that would have been the next stop with the ship and then kind of go up the whole coast all the way to um, to Lisbon in Portugal. Um, and I would have finished there and that would have been my first move to actually um, moving to Europe and I would have met up with a friend um, who is that side now he got a flight out already and then kind of um, I would have started making that my base and um, started the, the process of uh, of applying for residency through um, a, a working visa and started doing full pro- film production work um, from that side and basically living there now or making that my new base. So right now that is still the plan. So as soon as uh, the borders open or there's a way that I can get a flight, um, I'll move over to Lisbon and start making that my new base. Um, And then from there, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of um, plans still of, of places and and stuff I want to do. One of the talking points, um, in that first part of lockdown was also, you know, that thing of when you realize, okay, well, your time might really be a few, like what are the, the things that you really still want to do or yeah. the places you really want to see. And that hiking trip, I never finished it the way I, I wanted to, or, or um, I got planned because of injuries and the death experiences and then just losing a lot of fun. Yeah. So there's a, there's a big section that I ended up never doing. And a lot of people said, it's like, it's one of the most beautiful sections. They said, it's actually sad that you struggled for so many months through like the desert part. (laughs) And then you ended up missing, missing the, the, like the foresty great part um, between Oregon and Washington. Um, So I really want to go back and do that and hike for three months again, like similar to what I did back then. Um, but then like I w- one thing I realized is I'll, I-, I won't do it alone again. Right. So I have a potential friend that's interested in doing it. I will definitely do it with someone then. Cool. Um, I think it's great doing something that alone. Um, but there comes a time where after that, after you've learned your, st- your, your things you have to learn while doing uh, any kind of traveling on your own, it's yeah. nice to have someone, like-minded to share it with um and then i want to we want to try and like uh rent or buy a, a van or a car and then like go through the whole of america down to south america and and see more of central and, and south america as well besides if things really get bad you've got somebody that you can eat 
Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and you, you have to be bolted then to drink as well. <laughs> and you, you've got someone with a camera who can help you document as well, and then you actually end up with pictures of yourself as well, not just pictures of the landscapes. <laughs> oh, Willem, it's great to talk to you, man. I'm running out of time here. So if, okay, if yeah. people want to follow you or follow like some of your work, or <clears throat> look at some of the documented video stuff that you've done or other than Instagram or, or whatever, where can, where can they look or where can they get hold of you? I think the, the best place is just to go to my website then, which is uh, willemfilms.com. Yeah. So Willem, my name, and then films, F-I-L-M-S.com. And most of the stuff on there. And I'm actually, I'm, I'm working on, uh, I feel like this is my, my biggest uh, film project uh, to date. Um, it's a it's a documentary, and uh, it's around uh, Antarctica. Um, after I, I got the chance to to uh, to go there in beginning of the year, and and climate change or the climate crisis we're facing, and kind of just how I think I I, I was fortunate enough the last two years to be on the front line of in terms of climate change and where it's making serious impacts in the world. Right. And I felt like there's, as a filmmaker and being in those situations where I get to see and witness this and document that I have to I have the responsibility to, to kind of voice it as well and right. do what I can. Yeah. Um, so I'm working on that. And so it's around climate change and specifically what it's doing to Antarctica and kind of that spider web of, but how does that actually impact us here in South Africa or anywhere in the world, your normal person. So yeah, that's kind of what I'm busy with and I'm not, sh I'm not sure when it will be out um, and then how it's going to be out in the world. But I do know like this is going to be like, it's a big project of mine. It's a big dream, long time coming and news on that will also be, um, published on cool. my social media channels or website and yeah i i, I want to encourage people to try and follow it or look out for that like it's cool. not something i want people to buy or whatever it's just something that i would like people to see and, and learn more about yeah. yeah yeah cool man love it thank Thanks you for the chat yeah, yeah cool. <laughs> I